Welcome to episode 551 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Hey team, it's just Bevan here, just letting you know that in the first five minutes of today's show, I had a few technical problems in sorting out the audio, just with John and I being in different locations, so it is there, it does sound a little bit funny, but after five minutes we get back to kind of normal audio, so just letting you know, so let's get straight into the show. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 551 of I Talk with Chris, John Newsom and Bevan James Oz, how you going mate? I'm going better than you, so it's good. You're going better than me. I, I, I may have had some alcohol last night, John, and I may have had alcohol to levels which took me to places that I haven't been to in a long time, John. Is... And I may still be in a place where I've been, where I haven't been to in a long time because <laughs> it's five in the morning, and we're only finished yeah. at about one. So slightly, slightly concerned about what today means for me, but that's all right. We'll get through the show. It's Mad Monday. He's celebrating us smashing the Australians in the cricket. Did you watch the game? I did. Was it awesome? Uh, it was a little frustrating. We, we smashed the Aussies, and we're going to rub it in because it doesn't happen a lot. No, the Aussies are good and good at cricket. Okay, I'm Talkers proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. And your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And uh, let's name a few of them, Jobbo. Sean, the light says go green. Nice, we've got Daniel with the investigator, Clark. Rob, the detailed deliverer. We've got Great. Solid Rock. Oh, sorry. Solid Rock Carol Cooper. And Caleb, the bellboy guest. Why bellboy? Can you remember that one? Well, because you got guest as in hotel and sort oh, of like yeah, a bellboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I it's not our best work, but hey, it's, it's, it's up there. We appreciate the support, Caleb. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a rant of the week. The rant just keeps on going. Hot core, I mean, sorry, coach's corner. Yes, um, I've basically got just how to sort of analyse a power file. So I took a workout that I did last week and just going to sort of do a 101 on if you've got a power file, how to look at it and sort of things to look for. It's a good thing to do. Um, and then we've also got um, an interview with Thorsten. Yeah, talking about try rating, he's got his latest uh, try rating report out, sort of really looking at, we're summarising 2016, the highs and the lows, and who performed best, and uh, who to look out for in 2017. Okay, so we had Israel Man up over the weekend, and now in the interpreter sent through the results from Israel Man, it's an annual event that they have in that part of the world. What happened, Jobbo? They had Dan... Alterman from Israel, take it out. He swam a 103, rode a 606, and ran a 259 for a 1009 for a dojo domination over Dan Connie of Hinchinkov, uh, who did 1026, and Ohad Sinai, who did 1040. So, Dan actually used to be an ITU athlete. There used to be two brothers from Israel, Dan and Ran, 
Ultraman, and they actually used to come out to come out to Christchurch and train, and uh, they were okay. They sort of often got up to being mid- midfield finishers in, in ITU, and definitely the first Israeli athletes that I could recall um, doing well in triathlon. So good to see him going along. On the girls' side of things, we had uh, American pro Rebecca Wozner take it out in 10:37. She also had a dojo domination over what I assume is her. Um, sister who was and where was she no so lauren wasn't took it out in 11 13 and her sister i assume it's her sister or sister-in-law or some relative and rebecca wasn't took it uh, was second in 10 37 and in third place was irena marzin they had by the look of it 171 on the results page i'm not sure if 171 finished but that's for the long course but they also do have a a full and i mean a, a half and a kids race so i think it's a whole good festival of racing so it's um yeah first iron distance race of the season they had actually had 163 finishes uh 163 yeah 163 finishes so good work everybody did as ramen Okay, 70.3 Tyler Butterfield gives up third. I can't read the article, John, but because I had a crazy night last night. It's because you're out drinking, Bevan. So we had, um, yeah, Dubai 70 point, uh, Abu Dhabi 70.3 at the weekend. Very good, strong field racing. But um, Peter Mills sent me through an article saying, yeah, Tyler Butterfield, uh, he's listed fourth on the results, but he actually crossed the line in third because Rudy Wilde took a, a wrong turn somewhere right towards the end. But Tyler Butterfield, good sportsman that he is, uh, said, no, I don't want third place. I didn't feel that I actually finished third and uh, gave up his place. So Rudy Wilde ended up finishing third. But taking out the day was Javier Gomez and took 24-minute swim, 203 on the bike and a 110 on the run. So over two and a half minutes quicker than anybody else uh, to take it out at 3.42 from Josh Amberger and Rudy Wilde. So good to see Javier Gomez on the board for, for the year and uh, just shame he's not going long, isn't it, Bevan? It's, it's, it's disappointing, but you know what? He's he's doing doing the job, isn't he? You know. Yeah, you're over it now, are you? Over. Well, I'd love to see him, but we're just not going to see it. So, what's the point? Move on, John. Move on. Onwards and uh, upwards. We were saying Daniel Reef uh, took out the girls' race only by three minutes. Yeah, you normally expect her to absolutely smoke everybody, but a win's a win. She swam about the same as the other top girls, twenty six forty five, uh, rode two oh nine, which wasn't actually the fastest ride. We had. Uh, Rob Lyons, I think it was, emailed in saying Kimberly Morrison from Great Britain. It was actually um, had the fastest bike split at 2:08:21, um, but she only proceeded to run a 1:31 to drop down to eighth place. And uh, but Danielle Reef took it out 4:01 from Ellie Salthouse and Sarah Cowley in third. So some good racing, some good money on offer there. And uh, we mentioned last week it was pretty pretty strong field. You had uh, Von Van Blurken only managing to finish in. 11th place and Lindsay Corbin in 14th so um pretty oh Elastigirl Liz Verhayden finished there in looks like probably the first age group finished in 15th place uh, overall girls girls side so nice work Liz yeah well done we also said there uh 70.3 South Africa happened over the weekend and a pretty convincing one well three minutes by Roman mm, you say that one John Guillaume, he, um, he, um, I, th- I assume he's still on the, the BMC team. It's been a while since we've seen him pull up any really big results. You know, he had that great result in Kona a few years ago. Um, 
So he took it out from James Karnama. And we can also do that. Uh, and he and third place was Kyle Buckingham. What's even cool about the old uh, Muppet song, Bevan? We can now do that on the the girls' side as well because uh, they've got married. Jodie, formerly Jodie Swallow, is now uh, Jodie Karnama. Bevan's starting to wake up now. He's into it. I'm into uh, it. She only just took it out from Susie Cheatham um, by about a minute by dominating the dojo on the bike. And then Jukas, oh man, that's impossible to say. Polish girl, Jezik uh, and Azika from Poland was in third place in 447. Yeah, good times. When's the first? I'm in New Zealand. It must come far away. Another month, is it? I'm in New Zealand. It's first weekend of March, so we've got Challenge Wanaka before that, Bevan. Yeah, I know. So in that's a weeks. sort of next yeah. next on the list. Um, but I'm in New Zealand. Yeah, typically the first Iron Man branded race of the year. And yeah, the only other thing that's coming up this week, if you're ever interested in a epic mountain bike challenge, we have an event called the Pioneer, which is actually owned now by Ironman or Wanda Sports Group, whichever way you want to call it, um, but it's a, a seven-day epic mountain bike ride through the South Island of New Zealand. Starts in Christchurch, and uh, only second year of the event. Doesn't look like they've grown hugely from the first year, which is somewhat surprising. But it's uh, if you want an epic challenge and seeing some amazing scenery, uh, check out the Pioneer starting this week. Do you know how many people were headed in it last year? It was a about three, three or four hundred, I think. It's teams of two, so it's it's based off, pretty much copied off the Epic Challenge, uh, the Cape Epic, which is a mm. massive event in South Africa that's very, very popular. So, yeah, two-person teams, so you kind of got to duke it out with your buddy, but a huge amount of climbing. Um, I think don't think it's ridiculously technical, just a huge amount of climbing. So, uh, yeah, something that's on my radar, but uh, would certainly take a bit of training to get through. So the Challenge family have now announced that they have implementing a 20 metre rule, drafting rule to the Bike League of the Championship in 2017 as a means to provide the fair racing for all athletes. The 20 metre drafting rule will apply to professional athletes and age groupers, which is pretty good. Uh, key aspects for the 20 metre drafting rule include uh, separate or for the championship and at the championship, separate female and male pro starts, uh, age group starts minimum 20 minutes behind professional wave starts, maximum 20, 200 athletes in any one wave start, minimum 10 minute gap between each age group wave start, sufficient referees on the bike course, marks placed and repeated at 20 meter intervals along the bike course to help athletes estimate how far 20 meters is, an athlete can enter the bike zone following these circumstances if an athlete enters a draft zone and progresses through it within 40 seconds and overtaking a maneuver for safety reason 100 meters before and after the aid station and transition area uh, to at an acute turn and if a te technical delicate excludes a section of the course because of narrow lanes construction detours or other safety reasons so sounds like they really are pushing this 20 meter rule and it sounds like it's a pretty good thing it's um it looks like they're just applying some really common sense rules here. I just wonder if it's necessary for age groupers to have a twenty meter zone. I know absolutely agree that at ten meters you're still getting a um getting a, a, some assistance at ten meters or twelve meters or whatever it might be that the, the current sort of law is. Um, but it's the same as like driving. You know, if if the rule is ten meters, people are usually going to sit at eight meters and stuff. I just I don't, I don't know if I, I think it's a great it's a cool move but I just don't know if it's necessary if, if the 10 meter rule is really enforced and if people are really are riding at 10 meters for me 
it's kind of enough. Um, and I just think the practicalities around enforcing a 20 metre rule, if you do have you know 200, 200 people on a wave start, I think might be really, really difficult. And I haven't done the maths and somebody out there might be able to do the maths on actually the practicalities of actually enforcing this and how easy it is going to be enforced. So I remember somebody did that article on Kona and just saying that it's near on impossible for people not mm. to draft on the bike purely because of the the physics of it and the number of people on the on the road at any one given time and you'd have to be riding at some ridiculous speed to actually um, get past people and not be in the draft zone so i think the enforcement of this 20 meter rule looks like they're doing a, a really cool thing um but for me you know just if, if the 10 meter rule was really was enforced it's kind of enough for me, and I don't necessarily think for age groupers you need 20 metres, but uh, it, it will mean if it, if it can be enforced that it's going to be a very, very fair race. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Well, uh, you know what? I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, I do think in a championship race, if they do this for one race a year, logistically we have to see how successful this is. But I kind of think that in some ways you know, it's a championship race. Well, that's what they're promoting is their big race for 2017. So... You do want it to be the fairest race possible for age groupers because of the kind of prestige of the race. So maybe, you know, like in, in one race a year where they really are quite, you know, particular about this 20 metre distance, even for age groupers, maybe not a bad thing. Mm, no, not, not a bad thing. I'm just interested to see if it, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Okay, Iron Century is underway. So they're, well, currently two days down with only 98 days to go, John. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a mere 98. So, um, the thing is with the science entry, they're doing it uh, obviously in the middle of middle of summer in Australia. It's it's pretty toasty at this time of the year. Oh, you know, yeah. you can get up to you know forty degrees centigrade in uh, Sydney where they're doing it. You know, typically I would imagine most days are going to be you know high twenties to to thirties. So I think they've been hit down with a couple of hot days. But you know, John Moogle is doing the the full every day for hundred days, and Debbie Hazeldean is doing the half. So they're three days down. First couple of days, John Moogle swam and did basically did similar times swam 108 bike 529 and ran a 348 one day and a 354 yes uh 354 on day two yesterday they were a little bit slower that looks like they swam over distance for for some reason uh and then biked 556 and ran 414 i think it was a bit of a hotter day so uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they plug plug along um, once, yeah, day three, as you said, Bevan, they've got 90, 97 to go. Oh, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when we look back maybe next week at what sort of pace, um, especially John's still being able to hold over the iron distance. Well, he did talk, not that he talked a big game, but when he came on the show, he definitely talked about kind of maintaining a pretty reasonable pace throughout the whole 100 days. So, mm. you know, and he seemed to have started at that pace, but as you say, it's, can he maintain that? Like, it's, it's just hard to comprehend like, we know what it's like when you do one Ironman, but, you know, and then backing up, you know, we've seen people back up weekends, but to just do 100 days back-to-back, back, mm. phenomenal. Yeah, so still sitting, what, about just, just over 11, about 11 and a quarter hours there yesterday, and the first couple of days were sort of closer to 10 and a half, so it's it's pretty decent pace. And so that, that would be easy for him, because he is the, like a closer mm. to 90-hour guy, but still, your body, it's more just the fatigue and how your last is the fatigue comes on. But good to see them rolling. Team, keep it up to date with what they're doing. Okay, I'm in 
have announced that they have do a new TV program called Iron Man Quest for Conan. Basically what it is, is a series that will follow, it's going to air in the fall of 2017, and it's going to profile 10 athletes from around the world as they embark on their journey to qualify for the most iconic single endurance day endurance event in the world, Iron Man World Championship, John. Uh, and so basically from what we can tell from the PR release I've put out, it's going to be following each person, maybe one person per episode, seeing if they can qualify for Kona. So, Yeah, it would be really interesting to see what this looks like, whether it's going to be um, really cheesy sort of thing or whether it's going to be um, it's going to be cool. Look, I think any any coverage is great. You know, we don't see enough triathlon on the TV screens and uh, any coverage is good coverage. And, yeah, I see that they've they've put, you know, releases out saying people can, can start applying for this. So hopefully they choose people that um, – that, you know, really are going to be on the edge of qualifying, not people who are just going to waltz in and, and, and easy, easy qualification and not wanting to wish bad luck on anybody. It will be interesting to see how many of these people that they choose do, do miss out. Um, but no, I think it's going to be it's going to be a cool thing and um, the more, yeah, more stuff we can get on mainstream TV, the better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be highly professional. We know that and we know it's going to be you know, that kind of Iron Man story that we see in the Kona coverage. But I kind of just wonder, yeah, what will be the mix of, of people they're going to get? Because they'll probably want to get some high level because they've got this story. So they'll have, you know, maybe the disabled person, maybe the person who's overcome adversity, but they are still trying to qualify for Kona. So they want mm. to make it that the majority of them are going to be successful. Now, you can't guarantee that, but you're going to be picking people of a certain level, aren't you? It's, yeah, it's not going to be the challenge of finishing the distance and, the you know, the um, the – the stories that we get on the regular Kona coverage because, yeah, as you said, they're going to be going for qualifications. So um, I think the, the, one of the key things with this um, takeover from the, the Chinese business um, is that I, I would hope and expect we are going to see a lift in the game of the presentation of, you know, the, the Kona coverage itself, the NBC coverage is awesome, but you compare all the other coverage to what we see from the ITU, you know, obviously different event it's a lot easier to film a film a short course race but hopefully they're going to use the expertise they've got from in front sports and their media distribution which do the itu to be able to create a, a broader reach for for the iron man footage so um yeah i'm really excited to see what they can do and look you know if they can be producing you know, really good highlights package for for every iron man or you know a monthly show that's really highlighting um all the different races around the world i think that'll be fantastic because you know, if you want to watch an iron distance race from around the world, it, yeah, I mean, you, you randomly find it on YouTube and stuff from the individual races that have gone to the effort of doing it. But um, you know, if there was a, yeah, as you said, a fortnightly or a monthly show that was either produced online or, or distributed via TV channels and stuff, I think it'd be such a good thing, uh, much like the ITU does. So yeah, hopefully they can uh, lift their game this year and get some more you know, coverage of races out there. So I suppose the question I have for you, John, is we, I, I think we could all in our own mind's eye get an idea of what the show is going to be, but what would the show, the ultimate show be for you? Well, it would be a bit of a bit of a mix of uh, the pro rate. Well, yeah, if, if this, you know, this is completely not what they're doing, but I think having a nice mix of doing really good coverage of the professional races um, and then uh, and then doing you know, a, a really good age group like they're going to be doing here and then having you know, your special interest stories as well. So, you know, a, a 30 to 45 minute show, I think would do the job well. Um, you know, I was really disappointed with the Ironman coverage this year with the NBC coverage. It was, there was n not, 
as much about the pro race. Ironman racing is boring as hell to watch. We all know that um, if, you, if you're watching it, you know, a 10 hour race. Yeah. But I like to think they can make it a bit more interesting for a you know 30 to 45 minute highlights package and giving you updates as as they're going through the race of time splits and all that sort of thing. So I think they could do a good job of it. Um, so that's what I'd like to see in a show is a, is a fortnightly or monthly you know, highlights package of the different key races around the world. I wonder if they will follow a pro in this program, you know, like, you know, the quest for Kona. I wonder if they actually follow a pro trying to get to Kona because it'd be kind of cool to show that aspect of it as well. Mm, I suppose one of the, yeah, one of the guys, one of the athletes that is, again, just going to struggle to make it and they've yeah. really got to think about their season and plan it out. And showing the life be of a consistent. pro because that's interesting in itself. Like, I, mm. I, I get the idea that this is probably more of just a marketing piece and, you know, mm. an Ironman in itself is a great marketing piece just showing someone's journey. But it would be kind of cool just to watch a pro's journey to a race as well. So it would be interesting to see if they go down that path. Anyway, discussion of the week. Uh, our sponsor, sponsor, John. Uh, I'll do discussion of the week first. Okay. Discussion of the week. Well, it was a weak one. <laughs> Love the idea, but not many people joined in. Come on, team. Sharpen up. So basically, we've started our own Strava Goop. And how many people are on there, Jombo? Oh, we've got a couple of hundred now. I think we've got 203 or something like that. That's where the cool people are at, Jombo. And also, the person who started our old group. Um, I think I think it was Rob Lines. And he just said, I've actually st- I've pulled the other one. So if you were on the other one, you want to get in this one, just there's a link to it on www.imtalk.me. But anyway, we were just asking for ideas that you have for workouts that we can have for Wanger of the Week as well. And uh, just uh, Jeremy Hopwood pretty much delivered. And here's what he said. He said, basically, there are a few ideas for Wanger of the Week category that you can choose for each week. So first of all, uh, for Kona, do you want to go one for one here? Okay. So Kona, whoever finishes 33rd, for hours of training in the last week. Nice. Nice. Active, uh, whoever has the most activities in a week. Nice. The long, who has ever the longest single activity. Yeah, that's a good one. The slippery, whoever has the most swim time. Nice. Pass the chamois cream, uh, whoever has... Chamois cream. Chamois, sorry. Chamois uh, cream, whoever has the most bike time. Uh, the swinging, whoever has the most run time. And then the small, he's, he's gone for a theme here, hasn't he? Uh, whoever has registered the least amount of training minutes, club only shows those to have had at least one activity. So That could be saying you could aspire to, Bevan. Yes, well, I, I, hey, I'm not denying it. Uh, and then my, one other idea Jeremy had was uh, John could analyse someone else's training week at random for Coach's Corner. Nice. I'll have a look at that. I'm not sure how they would come off, but I, could, uh, I can look into that. Yep, and then Paul Moore's just got a bit late in the day, but I'm trying 2017 Ks in January. It's harder than I thought at first. So that's, mm. that's a pretty cool idea. It's a lot. That is a lot of writing, isn't it? So you're basically averaging 500K a week, so it's it's honest writing. Two, 250K a week. Four weeks? No, 500, sorry. God, yeah. I'm terrible at I'm the drunk one here, mate. Come on, sharpen up. Jesus. So I think Jeremy takes a cake there. He's come up with some great suggestions. I don't know how much other stuff you can do with the functionality at Strava. Um, I had done your most activities in a week. Um, I don't think you can do uh, – you want to make it so it's not the fastest people that are always, you know, getting getting wang of the week, you know. Mm. We've gone up, we've got up to 211 members now, Bevan. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure 100% um, what you can and can't do on Strava in terms of group ideas, but I think Jeremy – 
took the preem in terms of coming up with some great ideas. I was thinking uh, most activities in a week. He sort of took that one, um, most minutes above a certain percentage of FTP in a, in a week. I don't think you can do that at this stage. But I thought a cool one would be um, the slowest one kilometre um, bike ride oh. in a week and that would be a real challenge to to see how slow you can do we, we, for, for our kids program sometimes we have uh, you know between two cones you know maybe 20 meters apart who can go the slowest but to actually keep that out for a k would be uh would be quite a challenge so but i think um definitely jeremy's got the bulk of the, the good ideas on things that you can actually do there uh so i would say that he is actually and i did this before i looked at our facebook page he is going to be the most active for for this week so he's going to take the active wanger of the week award because he did 20 i think it was 24 activities last week so that's 24 individual sessions now it did look like jeremy did some when he like ran down to the shops and back and stuff like that so he had his watch turned on pretty much at all stage and uh uh, but Jeremy, you t- take out the the wanger of the week for the most active, and, and I think for contributing to this discussion because to be honest, it was a, it was a poor effort by everybody else. So Jeremy, you definitely are our wanger of the week, and we have a li- we don't have a problem, but uh, we're going <laughs> to have an wanger. athlete that's going to pretty much take it out every week in terms of the most active because we have the guy Jim Plunkett Cole who was the guy who was doing the the run across America um, uh, and he's he's in our group and oh, Jim Gump. for example last week he ran 33 33 hours oh well hey we like a challenge John we like a challenge <laughs> do indeed but we'll find different ways so we'll use some of Tim's ideas so if you want to jump on our Strava group there's a link on the show notes I'll put them again in this week's show notes and you can get them there so just check on imtalk.me and you can't go wrong okay John sponsor hold on what about this week's uh, oh, this week's man. Well, you know I'm drunk um, this week's discussion so this week's discussion what are the key factors well I've got I've got two options here Bevan okay go so well, you can you can decide which is uh, the better of the ideas I was just thinking this week you know about that we've got this event down here the pioneer which i mentioned before and it's um you know it's a cool cool event really challenging event but i was somewhat surprised that the numbers didn't go up much this year so i was thinking this is option a is what are the key factors that make you choose a certain your a race for the season not your your local sprint triathlon or, or your build-up races but what are the key factors that make you choose your a race and what turns you on what turns you off or um, or you can choose either or Bevan here. Yep. What do you think about this 20-metre draft zone that they're doing at uh, challenge um, the Challenge Championship race? Okay, John, I think they're both good but not great, so let's do both. <laughs> okay, fine. You know what I mean? Like, I think let's get contributing to both conversations. So basically, what are the key factors that when it comes to the race where you're going to train the most and spend the most? And then secondly, what do you think about the 20-metre zone for age groupers at the challenge championship race that's happening later this year so there we go that's this week's discussion okay jombo sponsor extreme endurance it's your lactic uh, buffer team so, tell us about it john so they've also as well as the regular extreme endurance that we go on about every week which is a fantastic product they've got uh, the extreme hydro x it's a patented hydration technology sustamine is added to enhance electrolyte and water absorption in the intestines stimulate glycogen synthesis and promote synthesis of muscle protein to help rebuild and re- the recovery of muscle tissue following exercise so in each uh, in the hydro x it's got 150 milligrams of lactate a premier blend of electrolytes patented hydro 
hydration technology, sustamine, and energy cramping and protection and recovery. So if you're somebody who's out there been struggling with, with cramping and you want to get on top, try to get on top of your electrolytes, this is a product you take sort of before, during, and after. So check it out, Extreme Hydro X. And remember, use your promo code IAMTALK20. You get a 20% off everything uh, on X Endurance, excluding their little um, package deals because they're already discounted heavily themselves. But yeah, use the promo code IAMTALK20 for any of your orders and you get 20% off. Let's check it out, xendurance.com. Okay, John, people love your rant, and this rant is the, I think it might be the rant of 2017, to be honest, because Triathlete Magazine put an article up this week which had, as their header, the fastest Ironman ever is skipping Kona this year, WTH. What's WTH this mean? is really starting okay. to frustrate me, because I'm sounding like a bloody broken record, you, and John, I don't want to sound a broken like a broken record. record, but people just keep serving up this fodder for me every week, and... I'm actually genuinely embarrassed for our triathlon media that they're, they're, they're just, I'm going to say they're so incompetent by putting up these articles that they just can't get it this right. I know that technically you can say at this time that was done at Ironman Arizona is the fastest Ironman time because that's Ironman branded, but come on, let's get serious. And I go on and on about this, you but I'm not going to let it do. go. So Triathlete Magazine, pull your socks up. It's pathetic by calling it the fastest Ironman ever. It's the fastest time in North America. It's the fastest, um, it's a record-breaking time. So why don't you put the leader, of the, the header of the article, Ironman um, record, Ironman, I don't know what you bloody put, something <laughs> yeah. different. You know them there, John. <laughs> Record-setting Ironman, American Ironman or something like that. But it's just, I, I'm genuinely embarrassed that, the, that our, Media is so poor that they've got to make up lines that are just, just bullshit. So I'm sick of it, Bevan. I'm sick of it. John, I, I've known you've been sick of it for the last three months, but hey, let's keep talking about it. So John, I suppose there's a couple of things to talk about here. He's not racing Kona. That's that's big news. It is, but it takes a lot of balls, you know. So Lionel Sanders has said, you know, look, if I want to be the best seventy point seventy point three athlete in the world, and you know, eventually maybe the best Ironman athlete in the world. Um, he cannot do that without um, really dedicating some significant long-term time to a swim. You know, he really he appreciates and realizes that if he wants to, at championship races, if he wants to make that next step up, he's got to swim better. Mm-hmm. So, well, we've got some action in the garage, Bevan. It's five thirty in the morning. Belinda's poking her head in, yep. and she's about to get on the the trainer in the garage. Oh wow, she is keen. She's more hardcore than you, mate. She's in here selling the the, the Bluetooth. Uh, the Bluetooth headphones, so she doesn't wake up the rest of the house, and she's into it. So now back back to Lionel Sanders. I think it's a it's a really admirable move that he's making because he's realised that you know at seventy point three races around the world, he can absolutely crush it. At Ironman races around the world that aren't championship races, he can crush it. But for him to win the seventy point three worlds, he is going to have to up his swim game and make sure that he can be with the likes of Sebastian Keenlay to actually bridge across and get to that front group before they ride off into the distance. So um, it's it's a fantastic move, and I think he'll be better for it in a few years' time. And the Kona's just going to have to have to wait. But uh, Triathlete Magazine. Pull your socks up. Come on, let's get serious. He's in a, it's an amazing fast time that he did, but it's not the fastest time ever, so sort it out. Just one thing he says in the article, a big thing I've done is join a local swim club. He says of his new approach in 2016, I am swimming with 12 and 13-year-olds, but that's where I am with my swimming progression. But he's saying it's 
it's actually playing off. So it'll be really interesting to see if he can pick that swim up because if he can gain a few minutes in the swim, that changes racing for him in a big way. So it'll be interesting to watch his path for 2017. Well, indeed. And I've got another rant going. Here we go. Um, Come on. Ironman Australia, now's the perfect time to take action. Register before the 22nd of February and you'll be automatically entered into win one of 10 slots to compete at the 2017 Ironman World Championships in Kailua Kona. The 10 winners will be announced soon after. Don't worry, if you're already registered, you'll automatically go in the draw. So hey, they just found another 10 slots on the pier. Amazing. I'm getting sick of this too, Bevan. You're just dishing away (laughs) spots. If this, again, we've said this before, if this was a... um, anniversary event or a special occasion we can kind of see see, fair enough they're doing that but again that's purely just a marketing push and they're just giving away slots that everywhere else around the world you know the hardcore athletes are just training their guts out to get to races and we we do understand there should be some sort of lottery system out there where they're you know for the everyday athlete that's never going to be able to qualify there is a system for them to to try to get in but uh this is just marketing bullshit and again i'm sick of it Bethan. john you're sick i'm glad belinda came in before this moment happened because i imagine she doesn't like seeing the angry john no she does not no <laughs> come on try come on. magazine pull your socks up iron man let's uh look after your you know, you're hard-serving, long-term customers rather than just uh, some marketing bullshit. Why, why do you think they need this for Australia? Is Australia struggling? It must be. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would assume they must be trying to yeah get more entries. It's the only reason, surely, why they would be doing this. Well, it's just interesting. I, well, you, like, they're, they're pushing this for 22nd of February. So it's interesting that Ironman Australia is struggling because, let's be honest, it's one of those iconic races that – you know, Ken's, we understand it's a race in the funny time of the year for Australians. It's, you know, it's kind of, it was put on because they bought another race. You know, you can kind of understand the push for Ken's, but the fact that Ironman Australia is needing to go to this kind of method to bring more people in is just maybe a reflection of the times because traditionally Ironman Australia, I imagine, would have sold out pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know if it ever, uh, in recent years whether it's sold out. It's been well attended, um, but I don't think it's sold. I think I think there's very, very few races that have uh, that that sell out these days. Um, certainly in Australia, you know, a good five to ten years ago, um, races sold out. But I think for the last number of years, I don't think they've been having sell out sell out races. So. Um, not, not certainly not so much that you've got to be, you know, online with your trigger, ready to go as soon as the, as soon as things open up. You know, races like Roach, you know, they sell out within minutes now, and I think they're far, few and far between these days. Mm. Okay, John Bowie, let's do coaches corner. Three, two, one, coaches, coaches corner. corner. So basically, what John you, you're going to do here is you're going to talk through a power file, which I think is a really good idea. So basically, looking at a power file that you use from your seven point three half Ironman effort as an example. So talk us through what you're thinking here. And the reason for doing this is I think there's a lot of people out there that have power meters. They they upload their files to, you know, Exhale or Training Peaks or Golden Cheetah or whatever, whatever it might be, but they're still really don't know what to be looking for and they just look at it and go oh as a full ride you know my average power was this and and sometimes struggle to to break it down so i did a ride last week which i thought would be a really good example of um how to break a file down how to look at it what what to look for so as bevan said um this is going to be a bit of a 101 session so for you really high tech guys um you you may get something out of this you may not but yeah i did a 70 well just over 70k ride or 75ks and 70ks of that that was designed to be um pretty close to a half ironman simulation so um so so you get a feel for where i'm at um my ftp at the moment's around sort of 310 to 315 watts um and 
I think that's pretty accurate. You know, you know if you want to work off power numbers, you need to have a pretty good idea where your FTP is at through doing testing and, and then backing that up with racing. So I'm pretty confident that that is about where I'm at. And for a half Ironman, given I'm more of a, a front-end age grouper with um, that, I can hold a slightly higher percentage of my FTP versus somebody that's going to be a middle to back of the packer. So I'm backing myself to sort of be able to hold 82 to 85% of FTP um, and still be able to put in a good run. So that means that my power output on the bike, um, all going to plan, will be somewhere in the range of 255 to 270 watts when I go down and do Wanaka and then... Um, Kona is a little bit different because I'm, I'm sort of in the middle of a camp. Um, the other thing that I factor in when I'm doing the, this ride is um, I need to know that my heart, I've got a sort of an upper threshold for my heart rate, and I know that if I go over 145 beats per minute on the bike, I'm probably not going to put on the most stellar stellar rides. So, yeah, this session was 75Ks, and then I was aiming to do you know the 70Ks of it at around about uh, 255 watts. And my sort of main objective was to see if I'm riding at that power, what's my heart rate going to be doing at this stage of the build-up and if I think I'm going to be able to sustain that for the full ride and not have my heart rate go out of control. Um, the route that I took was was mostly flat but had uh, one decent climb in it, a sort of a valley climb and then about a one-mile climb. So for Christchurch athletes, uh, it was riding out to the top of Gibby's, Gibby's Pass and back. And uh, and yeah, so what, I, what you basically do is go out there, record your data, chuck it up to, to whatever platform you're using and then um, you know, the key thing is then to start breaking it down. So um, if you want to get a good feel for this, I will have a, a link to my actual power file in our show notes and you can also go to coachjohnnewsome.com, look at my training blog and I've got a links to all the workouts that I do and I did it on Tuesday the last Tuesday, so Tuesday the 24th of January. So look at that workout file. And yeah, first thing I, I say is use use software like Exhale or um, another platform. The cool thing with Exhale, and we'll probably be catching up with Mark Livesey um, the next couple of weeks, is you can put workouts on top of workouts. So you can actually compare. Say I did this one week, oh, and nice. then in a couple of weeks' time, I repeat it. If you do the same route or anything like that, you can slap it on top, and you can actually see what sort of gains or not gains you've, you've made um, and really compare you know, apples with apples. So um, that's a really cool feature of Exhale. Um, what I've done is I've actually gone in there and broken the file into pieces. So firstly, I've got the full 70-kilometre effort and then um, and then I've gone in and actually broken it down into different sections so I can compare, you know, certain outbound sections and certain inbound sections. Um, so I've got a, a nice big flat section of around about sort of half an hour on the outbound, which is on the flat, and then on the same on the back, and then I've also isolated the, the hill climbs. So by that way, a lot of people are going to go and look at their files and just go look at the, the full 70K effort, look at their average power, look at their average heart rate, and go, okay, that's interesting. But by breaking it down, you can actually see whether things are changing much as you actually go through the workout. So when I look at my um, particular workout, you know, when I look at it in its entirety for the full 70K effort, 
you know, I was pretty much bang on um, what I wanted to do. My average power was 256 watts and my average heart rate was 140 beats per minute. So I sort of hit my two markers there. I was at the lower end of the power that I wanted to hit. And I, my objective was to see if I could be under uh, 140 beats per minute. Um, so that only tells you part of the story because when I actually go in and, and have a look at it in a bit more detail, when I go into my, um, my sort of outbound section on the flat, I was actually only at 247 watts and my heart rate was very much at my threshold that I wanted to be at, 144 beats. Um, but then I can actually go in and look at the same section coming back and uh, and I was at 257 watts, so an extra 12 watts higher, and my but my heart rate was 140, so I was four beats lower. So we're doing things like that. You can kind of look for patterns as to what, you know, elicits a you know a higher heart rate for me. Um, you know, and, and look for some, for some answers. So, you know, the answers I've got for when I do do this is you know when I was going on the outbound leg, it was a, uh, a tailwind. I wasn't very well warmed up. Um, my cadence was was two beats uh, was two revolutions higher per per minute um so that was sort of a few answers for me and also when i was coming back it was a really strong very strong headwind and it was also a very hot day so um by having that headwind it was you know potentially keeping me a little bit cooler as well so that in my, uh, would keep my heart rate down a little bit uh and so yeah looking at right by breaking those things down rather than just looking at the file in its entirety can start to give you some answers and for a lot of age group athletes, what you're going to find is uh, or some patterns you really want to look out for is whether you have decoupling as you're going through the ride and at what, at what sort of points that happens. And decoupling is where your heart rate starts to really rise quite significantly when your power either stays the same or goes down. It's a real sign that you're not particularly efficient at that effort. So it might be, you know, you're doing three hours at, at Ironman effort and so you really want to look for hour by hour or half hour by half hour if your heart rate really starts to, to rise up a bit. And if it doesn't, it means you're really nice and efficient. If it does, it means you've still got a bit of fitness work to do to be able to sustain uh, a certain effort. So you will see some rise in heart rate, but you want to make sure that it's not uh, it's not too great. So, yeah, so a couple of things. Um, there's a couple of things for people to, to think about there when you go and look at your files, you know, break them into pieces and then sort of compare those different pieces, especially if it's outbound, inbound. Um and then you know, go back a few weeks later and um, and compare the same sort of ride and compare your different segments of data and see if you've made any t any changes. And key thing when you're doing all these workouts, you know, time is pretty much irrelevant, and um, it's it's all just looking at you know power. Um, and also remember that you know if you look at these things long term, you know from season to season, especially if you're newer to the sport and your weight is changing significantly, you know power to weight ratio is, is really important to look at, especially if you're doing climbs. You know if you if you drop five or ten kilograms of weight, you know your power numbers are going to change pretty significantly when you when you're climbing hills, and just because your power numbers might not might not go up. If you've lost a huge amount of weight, your actual performance may well have increased quite significantly. So if you want to check out this file, um, go to coachjohnnewsome.com. And uh, as I said, it was a file that I did on Tuesday, the 24th of uh, January. Otherwise, we'll have the links on this week's show notes. Okay, John, any other things you want to mention there? No, that's pretty much it. Okay, so you, I'll put a link to that in me and you can check out what John's been doing. How are you feeling with your training? Even I can hardly hear a word you're saying. How are you feeling with your training? 
Well, I did a race it last weekend, and uh, that didn't quite go to plan. Um, but so overall, feeling like I'm tracking pretty nicely. But uh, I got my ass handed to me last Friday night when I went and did a little uh, sprint distance race. So the thing is, you know, I uh, didn't taper at all for the race. I'm not looking for excuses or making excuses. All I'm rather looking for explanations. Uh, and yeah, certainly didn't hit the power numbers I wanted to on the the bike or the run. And kind of ironic for me was did the exact same race at pretty similar time last year, and uh, actually performed better when I was significantly had significantly less fitness. But no, I was certainly carrying a little bit of fatigue fatigue into the race and uh, didn't quite hit the levels that I wanted to but this, that's the thing about doing local you know just little local races for me is I blew out so many different cobwebs I made so many stupid little mistakes and uh, that all adds up the key thing is uh, by doing it in these little races I won't come back hopefully to haunt me when I'm doing my sort of um, B and A races later on. Yeah, just going to remind you of some lessons doesn't it. Um, Jonbo we've got an interview coming up. John what's happening in that interview? Yep, we're talking to Torsten from tryrating.com and he's going to run us through his uh, his report from last year, have some interesting stats and facts and also uh, some sort of predictions maybe for, for next year. Here we go, here's Torsten. Okay guys, as you've heard, we're going to have a really good review of 2016 um, from Try Rating at Torsten at TryRating.com. He's got his 2016 Try Rating report out, and I'm telling you, if you want uh, to, you know, if you've thought about anything statistically related to professional performance system last year, or you want to revisit anything that was going on last year, you're going to find everything you need to know in this report. It really goes into huge detail. I had a, a look through last night before uh, thinking what I want to ask Torsten and uh, it covered everything try geeks like me want to know. So uh, we've got Torsten back on the show to talk through that and a few other things. So welcome back as always, Torsten. Well, thanks for having me again. And I guess I'm at the point now where I'm already have to think about what am I including, what am I leaving out to not make it too large of a document for people to devour their 80 pages i mean that's probably max that what what people want to have a look at between the training sessions that they're doing at this time of the year that's why you have a contents page people can scan to what they, what they want to go to <laughs> um one of the things that i've been hot on lately is uh is iron man claiming a new world record and uh and we all know that Lionel Sanders is an amazing athlete and he hasn't been promoting himself as the fastest Ironman athlete in history but uh, various media outlets that I've been ranting on for the past uh, couple of months have been so again it's no slight on Lionel Sanders whatsoever um, but I was really interested it was an amazing day at the office that he had you know he, he swam we swam better than he normally does he biked incredibly fast and he ran incredibly fast for what was just an awesome time but one of the great things around what Torsten does is his um, he has obviously the finish time but he also weighs that up against where that really stacks up against other performances you know Kona and Rote and all these other ones on based on the level of competitiveness of the fields and the the difficulty of the course and so on so I guess um, yeah Torsten from your point of view how did his performance stack up against you know Fredino's rope performance um, Kona performances etc where did it sort of fit into the scheme of things well I mean it's it's obviously has been the second fastest time of the year um, and I think third fastest overall for over the Ironman distance um, but um, if you're looking at the other 
athletes that did Arizona, um, it was pretty uh, obvious that Arizona had very favorable conditions for fast times. And therefore, I don't have them all that high in, in my uh, graded uh, performance uh, chart. Um, the, the time that Jan did in, in road um, is the, the best performance uh, from my view. Um, I normalize his time to a 7.52. Uh, well, 7.35 is his actual time, and I have it normalized down to 7.52. So road was like 17 minutes quick. But then if you look at Lionel's time, I have a 7.44 gets normalized to an 8.05. So that's uh, 20 minutes, 21 minutes uh, that the, the course was faster. And there's a couple more times that actually were uh, just a bit faster. I mean, Jan is, is way ahead of everyone else, uh, normalized 7.52. And the next one that comes up is normalized 8.00. Um, his um, Jan's time from, from Kona is 8.00. And I also have Patrick Nielsen from his Copenhagen time, 8.00 as well. So those those two were fast times as well, and performance-wise, really really good uh, performances there. Mm. Uh, Brent's Brazil time was actually a better performance, and then I have Sebi's times from Germany and Hawaii, um, also ahead of Lionel. Mm. So Lionel ends up in ninth place on my top ten uh, normalized timetable. Mm. Fantastic! No, that's cool. Now the the, the twenty sixteen try, I, and I mean obviously that's playing with numbers, and you could always argue about a couple seconds left and right, but um, yeah, I think uh, from from performance viewpoint, there's no doubt that um, Jan's time was faster than than Lionel's, and that his performance was also um, a lot better than what Lionel did in Arizona, regardless of all the discussion which course is short and how much it was okay. short. And and that's just, um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a program initiated that uh, does deal with the course accuracy issue because that always comes up when, when there's a fast time. And uh, obviously, the athletes that did a course did it on an accurate one and the athletes that didn't do it on, <laughs> did it on a different course that was obviously short. And I mean, Rini acknowledged, for example, that that uh, Austria probably had a short run course when when she did her fast time there. But yeah, those are just issues that um, at least you put the facts on the table there. If it's short, then then um, the information should get out there, and it's, it's not always possible to get the distance exactly right. But I think it would be good information to. Um, get the speculation off the table. Yeah, exactly. So the, the try rating report for 2016 is out, and one of the observations that Bevan and I both made um, on last week's show was, you know, when you you look at the the, the, the top male and female, so Daniela Reef and Jan Fredino, they are light years ahead of everybody else. Um, now I was really intrigued um, as to why that is, because obviously they're both amazing athletes are both one Kona um, and both been fast and, and wrote is but I was saying last week I don't recall either of them having a bad Ironman you know Fredino's had a had a couple of sort of seconds or thirds there and and I think early on um, his mm-hmm. first race was third and he got second at Lanzarote and and uh, was he second or third uh, first time in Kona so I guess are, yeah, they, being, are they being rewarded Firstly, for winning races, but also their consistency, where other athletes sort of um, maybe have a, you know, Sebi had a, a seventh place in Kona. So, uh, I guess my question is, uh, uh, your, the way that you come up with the the rankings, do you allow for the the really terrible races? Do they get knocked out, or how does your sort of averaging work for for how you rate the athletes and how those guys are so much further in front of everybody else? 
Well, I mean, for Daniela and Jan, you obviously have a situation where um, they've been uh, fantastic this year and a step ahead of everyone else this year. But they've also been doing that for the last couple of years. And they also have been, as you mentioned, they didn't really have a bad Ironman race that would kind of skew their their uh, averages out there. Um, I'm trying to, um, well, account for slower uh, times when sometimes uh, athletes, you know, don't, don't give their everything on, on the run mm. um, or when there's obvious technical issues and they lose a lot of time on, on the bike. Um, so I try to, um, you know, at least give give these results a bit of a lesser weight than a full performance that they put out there. And that's sometimes tricky to get uh, perfectly right in. Uh, there are some discussion that's still going on behind the scenes where um, I'm arguing with a couple of people and they offer some suggestion on on how I might still improve the algorithm I have here. But yeah. um, basically that, that's what it comes down to. Um, being consistently good and not having any uh, really bad results and um, being a step ahead of everyone else. And I don't think there's there's any discussion that Jan and Daniela are the top athletes that we have at this point. And, and how far back do you go, you know, for, for athletes? You know, someone like Yvonne Van Vlerken, who's been around for, for quite a long time, do you include all their Ironman races or how far back do you go? Well, my database goes back to 2005 and that's basically how far back I go in case there's an athlete that goes back that far. I think there's just, just a handful that raced even before that. I think um, Marino had a couple of results before that. And I think the first time that Yvonne did an Ironman was 2007 or uh, did challenge that year or something like that. That's basically how far I go. But the older results get a much uh, lesser weight than the newer results. So right. um they do have a slight influence, but I don't think the the 2007 race a uh, couple minutes here or there will make a difference for the rating that Yvonne comes up with for now. Mm. Um, the idea is that, um, yeah, there is some stability and you get some some bonus for having raced uh, fast in the past, but that the rating is also an indication of how fast you should be able to go in your next Ironman race. And obviously a result from seven years ago or five years ago doesn't have quite much isn't quite as much an indication of how fast you can go tomorrow than a race that you did three months ago or so mm. so i guess someone like uh terenzo his rating was probably as improved lately as uh given that he had a you know fantastic western australia um it's going mm -hmm. to help help him a lot more than say say for example if he'd had a, a sub eight hour performance uh six years ago his sub eight performance this year is going to be rated a lot uh more highly higher than uh something he did five or six years ago is going to have a much bigger influence on his rating that it as it is today than if he had raced that fast a couple of years ago. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Cool. So uh, one of the cool things I like in the the try rating report each year is you've got a, a trivia section to kick things off. So <laughs> maybe maybe tell people maybe give us an example. You don't need to give us the answer. Maybe give us an example of the you know you've got, I think you've got a page worth of questions there. Um, what sort of things you ask to try to to tap those real uh, try geeks out there to see if they really know what they think they know. Well, I thought I'd, I'd test you a little bit. I mean, one of the questions I have in there is um, fastest times from the US, uh, from Germany and from Australia, both on the male and female side. And some of these might be easier and some of those are a little bit harder. Are you talking? So I don't know. Uh, are, you are you talking a, a, a race or an ath for an athlete? So if if I said Australia, you know, I'd automatically think uh, Terenzo in Ironman Western Australia, where he went. That's uh, nationality of the racers. 
nationality of the race. Okay, well, I'd say New Zealand is easy because that's uh, Terenzo with what he got. He went 7.51, something like that, was it? Uh, I'd imagine. Okay, that, that was male, but then the tricky one would be the females there. It's not Gina Gina Crawford because I don't think she raced last year. So I think she did challenge one again, wasn't too far off. Okay. Um, uh, Oh, you're going to stump me on this because I can. Britta Martin, I don't think, has raced this year. She's been sort of close around that nine hour yeah. mark. Um, Actually, it was Michelle Bramer at uh, Australia in 913. Oh, yeah. And then I guess uh, Americans would probably have to be. Um, yeah, those uh, should both be relatively easy. You, you would think so. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim O'Donnell. Okay, you, you mentioned Sorenzo guess... at Western Australia. Yeah. Uh, uh, who Tim... was second there? Uh... Oh, yep, yep, Potts. There you go, Andy Potts. Potts. I was going to say exactly. Tim, Tim O'Donnell somewhere. Um, I've got to get some females in there. Um, so fastest Australian, I guess, fastest Australian probably be Miranda Carfrey, wherever, probably in... Uh, wherever in Austria, yeah. In yep. Austria. And then, uh, let's for, see. For Australia, the male is hard. For Australia, the mail is hard. Luke McKenzie hasn't been up to much. Um, no, you stumped me on Australia. Okay, it was Nick Castelline in road. He did an 8.05. No way I would have got that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think Nick is one of those that might be interesting for next year to watch because he's training with, with uh, Frodo as far as I know. And, uh, I mean, it was a solid first year of Ironman distance racing for him. Hmm. And he, 805 he, road, nothing to sneeze at. I did another one that was pretty good at the end of the Western, Western Australia. He wasn't Australia. too far off either. Yeah. yeah. Cool, guys. So that, that's the type of questions. So they're, they're cool things to try to figure out. So he's got that on early in the document, and then the answers are at the back. So you can uh, you can cheat if you want to. But uh, that's some of the cool stuff you'll find in the tri-rating report. Now, one other thing that, that I had, a, you have some features on a, a bunch of different athletes in there. And we don't want to go into all of them because we want people to go on there and contribute to the, to the tri-rating um, beer fund uh, is pa Patrick <laughs> Lang you know I watched the Kona coverage at the weekend the NBC coverage and was again reminded of just how impressive his run was because we were watching on the day and I just could not believe how fast that dude was, was running and uh I was watching the coverage with the Holy Hammer on the, the trainer on Sunday morning and uh, Patrick Lang, when he was passing people, he was passing, I think it was uh, Hoffman going through an aid station or something and he station, just yeah. blitzed through and like like Hoffman wasn't even wasn't even moving and uh, so look we, we know that he won an Ironman earlier in the year and he, he had uh, fantastic splits there as well especially on the run but maybe give us a bit of an overview about Patrick Lang and, and what his sort of pedigree has been like because um, yeah it's, he's still very new to the Ironman game as far as we can see. Yeah, and I think this this year was the first one that he did race an Ironman. Uh, he uh, stepped up uh, to the distance this year. Um, he's got a background in mountain bike racing. And, I mean, the, the typical story that you always have, uh, he gets injured, he does some cross-training, and then he stepped up with swimming and running. And that was a lot of fun for him. So he was part on, of some German uh, youth squads. Uh, I haven't exactly figured out which level that was. It was it was on the national level or a more local level, um, but he was not good enough or fast enough on the swim 
um, to actually be able to competitive in in on the Olympic distance. Uh, he was always missing the front group, and that uh, kept him up from being uh, at a decent uh, international level. So then he moved up in the distance. Uh, he did a couple 70.3s. Uh, he was on a podium at 70.3 Luxembourg in 2013. Um, and he pretty much, when I talked to him, he said he, he just enjoyed uh, being able to uh, come up with his own training and uh, decide where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do on race day and not be part of these squat situations where um, what you're doing is pretty much also decided or influenced at least by what the other athletes are supposed to do on that day. And he just enjoyed uh, being his own man, so to speak. And on one of those camps, he got to meet with uh, Faris al-Sultan. And they were just joking around whether Ferris would be able to drain them on one day. And then Ferris ended his career uh, after Texas 20, uh, was it 2015, when Ferris had a DNF in, in Texas and then basically ended his uh, pro career, wound it down over the summer. And then in the fall, they started to work together and pretty much had instant uh, success. Um First year of Ironman racing was 2016. He went, uh, Patrick went to the championships in, in Texas, the regional ones, uh, with all those uh, interesting things going on there with the bike course being shortened, um, the swim course being realigned pretty much a day or two before, um, unclear of what was going on there, whether the race was going to happen at all and so on. And that just didn't phase him at all. Um, he was in a decent position pretty much for the swim and the bike. And then was just uh, the fastest runner of the the big group at the front. Um, when there was like a Starkey was way in front, uh, he had some issues on the run and wasn't able to finish the run. And then Patrick was just the best runner of a field of about maybe 10 or 15 athletes that were uh, behind Starkey in a big group behind him. And I think he ran at 240, uh, was running way faster than ever planned mm. and just earned his qualifier sport. And I think he was totally blown away at that point. Um, from uh, stepping up and how how good he felt basically all day on the run. Mm. Yeah, that's and did he do anything between um, between that and Kona or not? Or just some seventy point threes? What did he did he get up to? I'm not sure if he did anything at all after that. Um, he might have done seventy point threes, but um, they were more or less focused on doing well in uh, in in Kona. I I think I met him in Frankfurt when he was part of a relay for the sponsors. Um, but I don't think he was doing any any racing uh, at over the summer. Mm. I'm not sure what, what what he did there. I mean, he was focused on Kona and getting well there. Um, he went to a long uh, training block in Texas to get accustomed to the heat. Um, yeah, and he just just had a fantastic uh, day in Kona. Um, he got a penalty on the bike pretty early on uh, for blocking, as far as I uh, from what I heard, um, and then uh, was continuing to race smart instead of trying to chase back to the front group um came off the bike in 22nd place or so and then just ran through the field and basically gained more and more energy the more and more people he was he was uh, overtaking mm -hmm. and um it was just i i mean it was just of the one of the emotional highlights of basically the whole year for me uh to see him cross the finish line uh completely flashed and completely on a, on an adrenaline high um yeah, having no idea how fast he ran at that point, um, even then even being told that he broke the course record uh, by Mark Allen. And um, yeah, it was just, just an amazing day for him, amazing experience. And he'll be one of those guys that I'm very keen to see how he's going to do next year.
Mm. And the, the German juggernaut getting four and <laughs> four in the top five was uh, was impressive. So um, yeah, in terms of 2016, though, you know he he was probably one of the big surprises, um, not just for Kona but uh, for his. Um, his North American Championship race as well, yeah. but yeah. Um, you know, was there any any others that really stood out this year that that really um, stepped up? You know, maybe that you didn't expect. You know, Terenzo's always um, been, you know showing the potential. So I guess whilst his result was awesome, um, you know, you know he's got it in the tank over the shorter distance. But were there were there others that that really stepped up in 2016 that perhaps you didn't see coming? Yeah, I mean, there were few, very, very, very few names that were total surprises winning an Ironman or, or challenge full distance race. Um, yeah, Tina Holt was who won uh, Lanzarote or uh, Jesse Thomas beating uh, Frodeno in, in, in Lanzarote. Those were probably two surprises. But I mean, those were results by um, established athletes that were just able to step it up a notch. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't really have any big surprises other than Patrick uh, winning on his on his debut race a um, couple surprises that that I think was we've seen a couple of performances that were athletes backed up from week to week um, the double that um, that Terenzo did with uh, Western Australia and then was it a week after or two weeks after I think just one week after mm. winning the 70.3 in in Bahrain that was impressive and also Daniela uh, winning uh, and then just one week after in Zurich, both in sub nine hours. Um, those were um, surprises that I, I didn't see coming. Um, I mean, I was pretty sure she'd be able to win Zurich, but in another sub nine and course record and um, leaving everyone in the dust again, that, that was a big, a bit of a surprise. So looking forward to 2017, you, you talked about the Australian <laughs> there, Nick uh, Castelline might be one to watch. Have you got any others that, that you've sort of got your eye on thinking, man, that these guys uh, might shake things up a bit next year or well, this year now? Yeah, for the, for, for the males, uh, there's two Patricks. I mean, we already talked about Patrick Lange from Germany. Um, probably not expecting um, him to step up uh, uh, this year because, I mean, Third in Kona, the the step there there isn't many steps he can still yeah. move forward. <laughs> yeah. um, he'd probably happy if uh, he ha- shows a similar result this year again. And I, uh, that's also something that I found interesting from Ferris that um, the main goal that Ferris sees for Patrick is to basically stabilize him at the level that he's at and not not you know being focused too much on getting him even faster because um, if he gains just a little bit more experience racing Ironman. Um, with his with his base strength that he has, um, that'll already already be um, a big step forward. And I mean, he's young; he's got, still got years to go um, to uh, eye that those front uh, spots in an Ironman. Mm-hmm. Um, the other Patrick that I would mention is Patrick Nielsen, and I think that's one that was a bit under the radar for this year. But he had two of the fastest Ironman races this year. He won Copenhagen, and which which other race did he win? Um, yeah, no, I remember looking at that last, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking, yeah, there was two names that had been sub-8. sub, sub eight and, and Oh, uh, uh, Bar- Bar- Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, both sub eight times, one of the fastest that we've seen this year. And uh, Patrick's been signed up by the BMCU place team. I think that was a very good move, both for him and for the team. And, I mean, they, they were pretty open that uh, they want to win uh, a Kona title in the next couple of years. And Patrick might be the person that has that potential. Um, he hasn't raced Kona yet, 
Um, so I guess that'll be the next uh, focus for him um, to well, I, I think he m probably still needs a couple more points, but uh, having won Barcelona, he's already well aware uh, on the way there. Um, and then focus on Conan, have a have a good race there. Um, don't think he'll be, you know, podium potential in his first year there, but um, top 10, um, he's got the potential to get there for sure. Mm. And um, he's so fast and so solid. Um, he's had some pretty good results in the heat as well. So... Yeah, this could he could be one that's uh, at least for Kona someone to watch. I don't know if you if we'll see much from him uh, leading up to Kona, but for Kona, um, he he he'd be on my list. Mm. And then there's there's a bunch more that you know Joe Skipper, uh, Matt Hansen, maybe Tim Burkle, that solid racers that haven't shown uh, their true potential uh, in Kona yet, and one of them is bound to step up at one point. Hmm. Now the KPR sort of they they keep tweaking it slightly. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, let's let's talk about the females too, right? Okay, <laughs> gotta get let you get in there with the females. You go for, go for gold. <laughs> well, I mean, with females, there's two that I had uh, on my list for this year stepping up: uh, Sarah Piampiano, who was seventh again this year, and um, also Lundstrom, who was eighth this year, stepping up. Um, also, it's just, you know, moving one step after another, after another, and she's on a forward trajectory. And I think both of them would be uh, on my list for the Kona podium, uh, next, uh, so 2017. And yeah, a bunch more. Uh, they need to get better. But I think both of them are, are eyeing the podium. And um, both of them would be well placed there to have a good race in Kona again if they manage to swim a couple minutes faster than what they did in the past. Exactly. The swim, <laughs> the swim is the, the especially for for a number of the girls, the swim can be uh, it can be a pretty big game changer. You know, some like someone like a, you know, a Sebastian Keenley, he might lose you know maybe three or four minutes, but some of those girls can sometimes lose you know ten minutes plus and still get themselves back into it. But that can be the difference between uh, you know seventh and fourth or something like that pretty easily, can't it? Yeah, and it, I think it changes the dynamic too. I mean, if if Sarah is two minutes uh, further ahead on on after the swim, then there's different uh, uh, women around her on the bike, and um, she might be able to join a much uh, faster group, um, legally riding on on the Queen K, of course. But I mean, just the um, level of athletes that you're around all all of a sudden. Um, change the dynamic of what what you're able to do on, on that day too and yeah just two minutes here or there can make a big difference and probably much more than just just uh the time uh on the on the finish line mm. now with the kpr uh, they they seem to tweak it a little bit each year it doesn't really get very well publicized so i always like to come to you to, to ask about it do you know of any <laughs> changes to the kpr that's happening um this year and and if there is or isn't uh, any suggestions on things you'd like to see tweaked other than the 50 woman for kona <laughs> well the the tweak that they did this year is um in the past it used to be up to five races uh now it's up to four races and up to three of those can be an ironman and up to two can be a 70.3 so basically they removed one of the 70.3 results uh, from the total mm -hmm. um that really doesn't make that much of a difference um i think for the males i think my estimate for the cutoff is basically the same as yet last year uh, 3,500 points. And for the females, it does make a bit of a difference, um, maybe 100 or 200 points altogether, but um, pretty minimal. And I think most of the females to qualify, they they will still have to do 
uh, three full distance Ironman races to get the points just to get to this level of 42, 4,300 points or so. Mm. And, um, and so so that's the main motivation for the changes that I would like to see. Um, equal numbers is, of course, one thing. And then basically get the numbers up to maybe 40, 40 and get rid of August qualifying or so um, to basically have um, one cutoff uh, that is achievable with two good Ironman results and two good 70.3 races. Mm, that makes sense to me too. So where, where are we at with the 50-woman Tacona? You know, we had, uh, you may have heard um, a, a lady Moira from the, the mm-hmm. Women for Tri board on um, in the last couple of weeks and um, and she sort of indicated, which we knew, that that wasn't really on their, their agenda for that um, particular group. Um, we haven't really heard much of, of the 50-woman group so much um you know are you making any progress or where's it all at well i mean the the uh, effort to get to let's say at least level uh, equal slots for male and female in kona is still going on and i mean the, the discussion has been pretty flat because iron man basically um said that it's not going to happen uh, pretty soon um the one change that we've seen that's kind of hopeful is that they agreed to have equal slots for the 70.3 championships in Chattanooga later this year mm-hmm. on a kind of trial basis. Um, um, they, they said it's a trial basis, but they haven't announced the uh, criteria for when that trial is going to be successful or unsuccessful. So it's kind of doubtful what uh, what they're actually looking for there. Mm. Um, but at least, I mean, the way the um, 70.3 champs with, with a two-day event um, that leads to the the possibility to have uh, equal slots uh, for the for the pros, and I think they're also increasing the slots for the um, female age groupers as well. So um, yeah, I mean there's there's some hopeful signs, um, and um, but the uh, I don't I don't think we'll see equal slots for 2018 in in the KPR the way the, re, the reaction that we've heard from Ironman is going to be. Um, as to the women for tri group, I mean they're they're doing a huge effort to increase part, participation from from the bottom, and there's also something that the tri equal group is uh, working on with with uh, the efforts that they're putting out there with the scholarships and matching athletes with uh, coaches to get more and more women. Uh, into racing long distance races um but for me the equal slots or 50 women to kona would be also something that addresses this um uh, issue from the top um i mean if you have more uh females races or to have more role models for the groups i mean if, if there's um a woman that's closer to them and they'll be able to much more identify with her than if it's someone from uh, thousands of miles uh, away. So, um, I think adding more of the female pros there would also help in addressing the issue from from the top and getting more uh, women and girls interested in, in the sport in general and racing Ironman too. Mm. Now we had a couple of questions from some of the listeners. Uh, Lucy Francis was asking, not a statistics question, but how many hours a week do you spend compiling your stats? And a second question from her was, um, how does the initial opinion of an athlete's performance compare with the data once compiled and analysed? 
Well, I mean, the, the general race handling doesn't really take that much time. I mean, it depends on how many races there are on the weekend, but that's maybe an hour or two to get all the Ironman distance races and the 70.3s into my database and be able to have a look at the influence that that has on, on the KPR and so on. Um, as for the opinion on the performance, I mean, a lot of the um, hunches um, you can all, almost... Um, get from the race coverage i mean if there's colder temperatures in a race that's typically an indication that times can be fast i mean unless it's raining like crazy or so mm -hmm. but uh i remember new zealand last year was relatively cold um so that that was an indication that conditions were probably favorable mm -hmm. um so um yeah pr it, i mean very very often when you're you're following the coverage uh, you already get a feeling for um, is this slow or is this, is this a fast year for this course? Mm. Frank, so it doesn't really change that much. <laughs> Frank, Frank Houdini McVeigh said, what's the largest gap between your predicted time and the actual time you've seen? Yeah, I saw that question and I had to dig a bit into my data. And I don't know if it's really <laughs> interesting because, I mean, the large, the, the, gap, the gaps are, are usually an indication of some kind of bad race, uh, either having happened or in the past or just looking at it. So the largest gap that I've seen uh, was basically, um, you know, a, a, an athlete that had a horrendous first Ironman yeah. um, and then follows that up with a pretty good one or the other way around. Um, biggest that I could find with names that are familiar is um, Elliot Haltham is, is one of those. Uh, I think his first pro Ironman was an 11.41 from Canada 12, and he followed that up with an 8.50 in... Wisconsin, I think, the year after. I mean, that's obviously a big yeah, difference. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the other way around was uh, usually uh, there's an explosion in a race and at, and a pro, I mean, walking the marathon or so. Um, best example there would be Meredith Kessler. Uh, I had her rated at a 920 and she did a 1226 in Kona 2015 when she mm. um, didn't have any power at all on the bike and then even decided to walk the marathon. Yeah. That's so those would be the, the horrendous scenarios that, yeah, probably not as interesting to to see but pretty easy to explain yeah now um the final question i've got there is, is gareth hodgson he says how often do you revise the weightings on the various courses and how do you create a weighting for a new course um well basically after each race i get i calculate the new uh, course ratings is what i call them uh is this uh how how much of a difference uh does the swim bike run and overall time uh is compared to an, a normal average course and that's basically after each race happens so for a new race um before the race i don't have any weightings and i don't have any idea how, of uh how, how fast this course is going to be uh, but once I have the first round of results, I can compare the times that the athletes did um, to the previous results that they had and then basically uh, deduct, um, was it a fast course, was it a slow course, and uh, overall, and also for the individual legs. Fantastic. So after the first race, I can give a number, but yeah, there's sometimes interesting effects. I mean, we had this the first year of Ironman Sweden, I think, they had some issues uh, getting the bike course uh, right. I think it was short by a couple of K. So obviously that was a fantastically fast bike course, <laughs> mm. which we didn't we didn't see again the year afterwards. So usually um, things get pretty stable after things have been going for a couple of years. 
Nice. So now in terms of the, the, the try rating report, you know, maybe just give us a, a very quick summary of people that want to, to get it, you know, what sort of stuff you include over and above what we've already discussed. Yeah, I mean, we, we already discussed a couple of the points. Uh, I have a look at a number of the athletes um, that I have designated uh, athletes of the year. Some athletes that I just found interesting over the year and that had a had an interesting one. Uh, Patrick was one. Um, he was my male rookie of the year. I also have a look at the female rookie of the year, which was Kaiser Lechton, who was fifth in Kona uh, just just a couple of months ago. And then um, Meredith Kessler um, is another one that I look at. Um, Steady Progress Awards would be uh, Oso Lundström and Boris Stein. Um, then moving forward, so there's a couple of athlete profiles in there. And then just a ton of data <laughs> mm. on, um, okay, where are my top 10 uh, in overall and in each of the legs, who had the fastest times and best performances uh, over the year, um, who made the most money, um, which courses are fast and slow, and a brief outlook on uh, the 2017 uh, races that are coming up. Mm. Guys, it's, it really is a fantastic resource, and especially when a lot of you guys are going through your winter months, and you maybe have a little bit less training time and a little more more spare time on your hands to look through this stuff. It's a great resource, and it just means that when you watch races coming up, and uh, you can just become a lot more knowledgeable and, and see which athletes are coming through. So really interesting stuff, and uh, we love your input as always, and it'd be great if you guys can go on there and get a copy and um, and support Torsten and what he does when you you do it you know it's it's like a magazine and um and you know when you go out and buy a magazine you pay for it so uh it'd be great if you guys can help torsten out so fantastic as always and um we will look forward to actually meeting you in the flesh and uh and wrote later in the year yeah let's see what we we're able to do there um i'll be following the race uh, on site uh, in all likelihood uh, hopefully a couple of friends will be there, racing there as well and um, yeah, I, I heard you you want to go sub nine again, John, didn't you? That is the plan. The course rating <laughs> might have to change a little bit for that course because that run course is going to make it a little bit slower. But uh, no, the plan is to go sub nine. Yeah, the run course, the new run course is, is the big unknown there. And no one really knows if it makes the course uh, faster or slower. We'll, we'll see. I'm picking five minutes slower, so uh, yeah, it's all good. Awesome, Torsten. If you guys want to check it out, go to tryrating.com, and uh, you can get not just only the the try rating report from 2016, but Torsten does his updates after all the Ironman races as well. So uh, put it on your bookmarks and uh, support all the great work that Torsten's doing, and we love you coming on the show. Well, thanks again, John. Always a pleasure to be on. And we are back, and that was Dawson with Try Rating. Guys, if you want to get that report, you go www.imtalk.me, and I'll put a link to it, but you can go to tryrating.com, and it's real value for money, guys. And chuck a few dollars this way because he puts a lot of time and effort. I think it's more of a passion project for him, but we do want to make sure he's getting paid for some of his time doing you know, great work. So, well done, Dawson. Jombo. And yes, we're going to finish off with our patron. Okay, let's name Brian Hellraiser Hagen. Oh, Andrew T-Rex slash Diplodocus Kerr Andrew Victory Vickery Roger the Dodge Roger the Dodge Dooley that's a great name <laughs> and uh, Rob Dutchy Lines okay guys so that's, if you want to become a patron on the show go www.imtalk.me and it's all pretty simple we just follow the links on the site and you can become a big patron of the show which really helps us do what we do each week so thank you to all the patrons who are currently already supporting the show but thank you very much John sponsors Athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes 
Extreme Insurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. And you know who you are. You rock. There's no denying it. Okay, Jombo. So, what's your goss? Yeah, well, I did my race on Friday. As I said, that was, uh, what race was set, that? The, set the world on fire. Just a little sprint distance race. Um, again, you can go and look at all my files and stuff on on coachjohnnewsome.com and then after that went away with the family for the weekend up to Hamlet. I got thwarted on several occasions Bevan trying to go for a swim. I tried to go swimming on Friday morning. Again, this is on the day of this race that I did. It was a Friday night race. Pool was closed. The Holy Hammer was coming out of the pool saying the pool was closed for some reason. Tried to go for a swim in Hamner. Place was heaving. They didn't have any lane ropes in. Couldn't swim there. So it was a pretty light weekend. Took the kids for a little mountain bike around uh, around Hamner Springs. Great place to go for a weekend. And other than that, Bevan, it's... Um, Kids are still not back at school. Every other bloody school started yesterday. Our, our school doesn't start till Thursday, so still got a couple more days with the kids. Oh, treasure that time, John. You only get so mm. long with them. Say it again. I said treasure that time. You only get so long with them. But <laughs> this is true. This is true. Bevan, what's happening in your world other than getting drunk? Well, the thing was, I've just been up here for Les Mills for a week and doing some work, and they put a party on. Philip Mills and Jackie Mills are the owners of the business. Well, it's a family business, but they own it. And, um, yeah, they had a party on last night, and it was a bit of a pool party. It was heaps of fun, and we started playing some pool games, which involved some drinking. And I don't normally drink. I haven't drunk in years. But when games were involved, John, suddenly I was drinking and suddenly I had a pretty big night, John. And uh, why would you do that to yourself? That's all I have to say. But good times, good. Uh, there's lots I don't remember. But hey, I'll, I'll survive today. Let's just hope you don't do the same thing the night before your wedding. No, I'm definitely not drinking the night before a wedding. No, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no way. This is. I, I got drunk about 10 years ago, so I, I'm not a drinker. I don't drink at all normally, but... Although someone was saying to me last night, it's funny how someone who doesn't drink is so drunk right now, and that was quite a good call. But um, <laughs> so it might be a once in every ten year occasion for me, but it ain't going to be happening in two weeks from now. I'll tell you that much, Sean. <laughs> Any wedding updates for the audience? Not really. Now it's just all go ahead. Now it's just it's 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 all go. Really, just last little minute, you know, just last minute things. But just looking forward to it now. Just want to get it done. You know, have a good day. And someone sent me a really nice email saying make sure you rem you take moments in the day and remember them forever and, and that was a really good piece of advice so yeah just looking forward to it nice my swim session starting in four minutes i'm a little concerned so the swim that i do on tuesday mornings with Do dave dr feelgood dwan uh the pool's only a couple of minutes down the road so i'll only be a couple of minutes late but it's um it's an outdoor pool there's no lighting or anything like that and it's still dark outside last week and i know it's going to be getting progressively dark and it's a six o'clock start so it's still dark outside so uh we'll see how we go will you continue it through winter no no the pool closes no it's oh. an outdoor pool it's just a just a summer gig okay all right let's wrap it up iron rust i'm in don't train hard train smart kia kaha kia kaha